Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Shantae, back with another episode of Chatting with Shantae. How in the world are y'all doing? Me, I am doing fabulous, even though it's a little bit hot, but that's all right. So, you know, your girl is now reviewing season four of The Shy, and episode two just dropped. Um, Technically, it dropped Saturday night on Hulu, because I have the Hulu app, and I have Showtime, you know, added on to it, so I was able to watch it 11 o'clock last night, and, you know, today is Sunday, so if you don't have the extra streaming apps and stuff, you can catch it on Showtime tonight, so, as always, a little disclaimer, if you haven't watched the episode yet, pause this, whether you're listening to the podcast or you're watching me on YouTube, pause this real quick, go watch it, and then come back, because your girl don't really do spoiler free, we gonna talk about some things, all right, so I got my notes here, okay, and so if you see me looking down, that's what I'm doing, reading my notes, so before we get started, y'all go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, turn on notification bell, and let's get into it, so At first, I thought I wanted to review the show, like, in sequence, like, how how everything happened and everything, but I'm like, "Uh, that's a lot to do, so I'm going to do it character by character or, you know, storyline by storyline, really, so it may not be, like, the chronological order of which it happened, but y'all going to get the gist of it, okay? All right, so get your snacks, get your drink, get comfortable, and let's go. So even though I said I wasn't going to go in order, it did start off with Emmett and Tiff. So I'm going to start off with Emmett and Tiff and all the stuff that they're going through. So we saw in the synopsis of this episode, it did say Emmett was going to come clean to Tiff. We all know, you know, season three, Emmett and uh, Dom, they had sex. And we've been waiting to see if Emmett was going to tell her. Uh, we saw last episode, he was sweating bullets and thinking every time they was talking, his cover was going to get blown. So it starts off with Emmett having this nightmare that Tiff is chasing him around their apartment or their house with a knife after he would confessed that he and Dom actually had sex. So she's chasing him around, chastising him, you know, trying to kill him, basically. And then we find out that he's having a nightmare. Tiff wakes him up and yeah. So he almost ruined his cover when she was waking him up because he asked her if she was mad about something. She was like, should I be? And it was like, Emmett, please just get it together. okay?" so later on, we see that he's fixing breakfast and Tiff is getting ready to do a a weed drop. I'm not really sure what the technical term is. A a weed drop, a, a whatever. She's bringing a weed somebody. okay? and weed delivery. And, you know, she's telling him that she's going to the studio. He doesn't really want her to go because the rappers there, they really about that action. Like they're not just rapping about killing people. They actually do it. And she's like, nah, forget all that. Plus, I'm meeting a female rapper, Dreezy. And so he's like, well, she always talking about how, you know, dudes ain't about nothing. And she's like, well, that's true. So then he kind of feels a type of way about that. So she leaves, and that's that on that. Then later on, we see Emmett and Darnell. They go to Keisha's job, which we'll talk about in a second. And, you know, at first, Emmett thinks Darnell is talking to him, telling him that he needs to tell Tiff the truth. But he's actually on that good old Bluetooth earpiece that we just love so much, okay? I just feel like that Bluetooth earpiece needs its own, you know, name, like little credit, like rolling credit on the uh thing on the show but anyway so we see Emmett and Keisha they're talking and basically uh Emmett is telling her that she really needs to tell Tiff the truth and Keisha's like well I've been told you to do that and so remember last review I couldn't remember if Keisha knew about Emmett and Dom or not and if she did if that would ruin her you know developing relationship and friendship with Tiffany because you know 
how would Tiffany feel? Because now we all know everybody knows about Emmett and Dom, except for Tiff, you know, until we get to that part where he tells her. But I just really hope that, you know, Tiffany doesn't, I don't know, stop being friends with Keisha. Because it's really nice to see them getting along and everything like that. So really interested to see how that's going to play out later on in the future episodes. But then we switch gears and Emmett's asking Keisha how she's doing with the pregnancy and things like that. And Keisha is stressed, all right? She is stressed. And we'll get more about her in a minute. But they have a good kumbaya moment. Like, it's really good to see that they're actual just good friends. Even though they did have something in the beginning. But it's good to see that they're remaining friends and checking up on each other's well-being and things like that. So then we get the scene where all shit hits the fan, okay? It all hits the fan. So Tiff and Emmett, they're having sex, you know, doing what they do. And he's, you know, doing what he has to do. And then he keeps hearing Darnell's voice kind of like taunting him like, yeah, you putting it down, but you putting it down everywhere, huh? So he's, it's like he's talking to Darnell, but Tiff thinks he's dirty talking to her. And, you know, after a while, she's like, okay, what is wrong with you? Because you've been acting weird since we got married. Are you having regrets? What's really going on with you? And so... He's like, nah, but I do have to tell you something. And then he confesses, finally, that he and Dominique had sex. Now, uh, another YouTuber, Mark Dark A, shout out. He was like, if I were Demet, Demet, <laughs> if I were Emmett, I would have uh, put emphasis on before we got married, I had sex with her. Now, to me, before, during, after, that don't make it right. But I guess it could, you know, soften the blow a little bit. I don't know. Uh, what y'all think? Do y'all think Emmett should have, you know, emphasized the point before we got married, I had, you know, sex with Dominique. But Tiff wasn't trying to hear anything. He was trying to talk to her. He was trying to, you know, you know, uh, tell her that he loves her and things like that. But she just gets dressed and leaves. And before we get to that part, I'm sorry, we have one more part where now y'all remember Dante. Okay. Corey Hardrick's character, the guy who, uh, uh, who has a crush on Tiffany, real major. And I thought they was going to mess around last season, but they didn't. And they we got a scene uh, before Emmett told Tiff the truth where she was over at his house, you know, dropping off some weed. Again, I don't know the technical terms. Weed supply, weed delivery, a drop-off. I don't know. I don't know. But he's, she's over at his house. And, you know, you can tell the chemistry is there. Like, you can tell. We could tell last season, but they're just kind of looking at each other. And so he asks her, you know, how's married life going? So she's like, oh, it's cool. You know, whatever. And he's like, okay, well, you sound bored. And she was basically like, listen, we've gone through so much. We've been together. So this ain't really nothing new. And I would rather be bored than be in some more drama with him. So she kind of alluded to the fact that, yeah, it's kind of boring a little bit. It's cool. You know. I've been with him forever, so this ain't nothing too new. So then after we uh, see that Emmett revealed the truth, she makes her way to Dante's house, and they have sex. And I'm just like, this, I get it. I, I okay, I know you're hurt. Okay, but Tiff, I, mm, Tiff, I don't really think we had to do that. I mean, I get it. I mean, you know, the chemistry was there, and, you know, you're hurt, so this is good revenge, but... This going to be one big blow up, but I will say I'm so glad that it, that the uh, writers didn't drag out Emmett uh, keeping this from Tiff for like four or five episodes. Like, I'm just so glad they got it out the way in the beginning, like the second episode, so that way we're going to see how they're going to maneuver through it, what they're going to be doing to each other, revenge this, revenge that, are they going to break up or whatever, because they just got married, so, you know, it's been a few months, I suppose, so... 
we'll just have to see, well, more than a few months, but we'll just have to see, you know, what goes on in the relationship. But we saw uh, towards the end of the episode, Dante and Tiff, they were waking up next to each other in the bed. Or no, they were still sleeping in the bed. Jake, I, I want to call him Jacob Lattimore so bad. Emmett, he was up, you know, I don't know if he could sense that maybe she was out doing something or what, but he was waiting up for, you know, looking at the door, looking out the window. So we're going to see what goes on. And I think in the next episode, we're going to see a scene where Tiff uh, and Dominique are in the same scene, you know, mugging each other. I don't really know, but I wonder if she's going to confront Dom or if she's going to handle all her business with Emmett. I don't know, but I'm excited to see because, again, we saw that they were about to go into business together. So the shit's really finna hit the fan. And I'm just like, yes, Jesus. So let's switch gears to Kev, Jake, and Gemma. So they're really setting up all, like, everything that we are expecting to see, like, with Duda getting shot and Jake and Gemma kissing. They're really showing us all the little things that are going to be leading up to the big blowouts okay like everything that's going to be leading up to jake and Gemma kissing you know what persuaded them or motivated them to do that so kev poor baby listen i will say this kev's been through a lot okay since season one episode one he's been through quite a lot okay and it's just like can he catch a break can he just have one peaceful season where he can just enjoy being a kid but with everything going on in recent events with his friend being you know beaten by the police and all that other type of stuff it's really weighing heavy on him so we already saw he was smoking and drinking the last episode now he just cussing at his mama i'm just like how is he still reciting his lines because his mouth would have been plopped off on the floor do you understand me so uh nina's telling him to get off the phone he like or what you know she and then he gonna have the nerve to say you always tell me you're gonna smack somebody but you never do it i was like kevin um <laughs> i understand you going through some stuff baby boy i truly i understand but you ain't finna be acting stupid you ain't so Nina trying to take his phone and he just like whatever. So then they asked him, them as in Dre and Nina, they asked if he's excited about the college tour because we know that's the episode that this is about. Uh, they go on the little college tour and he's like whatever. So he's just going through his little thing, okay? He's just, blah. so then we get to Jake's house. He's packing and Imani left him a box of condoms because listen, she already knows young boys going off to college, getting a little taste of freedom. They might act a little crazy, so... She's like, I'm not expecting you to act crazy, but if you do a little something, just protect yourself, okay? So then Trig comes and has a little talk with him. He's kind of worried about Jake going off on his own, only because of what happened with the police and things like that. And Jake just tells him, listen, I can't hide out here forever, okay? I need to go out and, you know, explore things and things like that. And Trig tells him that he doesn't have to be tough all the time. And Jake says, yes, we do. But then we get this little soft moment and Jake tells Trig that he loves him. And that was just a sweet, you know, brotherly bonding moment. So then we get on the bus and Jake is sitting off by himself for a little minute. And Gemma's recording this video, I guess, for her YouTube channel or whatever. And she's like, okay, Kevin, look excited. Get get involved. And I was like, ooh, all right, girl. So she's basically recording, telling them, yay, we're going on this college tour. I plan on studying. Listen, I'm not even about to sit up here and try to remember what Gemma said she wanted to study. But it sounded medical. 
and it sounded scientifical. So we're going to say that she's like, I'm going to get my uh, bachelor's degree in this, that, and the third. Then we get my uh, master's degree in this, that, and the third. I was like, yes, ma'am. And then she's like, Kevin, what about you? And Kevin being a typical 15, 16 year old, you know, he doesn't really have it all quite figured out quite as easily as Gemma does so he's like I don't really know and she's like I can't post that okay we're not going to look equally yoked people need to know that we're on the same page so Kevin's like so we're not going to be equally yoked just because I don't know what I want to do in college just yet I'm only 15 so they kind of get into a little uh debate about that and he kind of pushes her off of him like okay just leave me alone so again we're seeing all these little arguments all these little disconnects that they're having that's going to lead up to um Gemma maybe confiding in Jake or vice versa. So then on the other side with Jake, well, before we get to this, uh, Kev's trying to uh, spark a little conversation with Jake about his arm and asking how he's feeling. And you can tell that they haven't completely gotten over what happened from the last time because we know Jake was feeling some type of way that Kevin didn't really do as much as he wanted him to uh, involving the police. So uh, Kev's trying to ask him how he's doing. And the conversation's a little strange a little dry i'm like oh okay you know but again it's all leading up to what's about to happen and the way kevin's you know lashing out at everybody and just kind of pushing them away we're gonna see how that's causing other people in his life to get closer uh hence jake and Gemma. so then this white girl comes and sit next to him uh, next uh sits next to jake i think her name was nicole or something whatever child so we saw in the preview that they was gonna be kissing and i was like i hope this ain't a little fast tail college girl mess with this little boy please don't let that be happening but no they're the same age they're at the same school and here she comes talking about oh poor baby i can't believe you're in this situation but you know um i thought it was really brave the way you stood up to the police officers and just to let you know black lives will always matter to me i said you know, I'm sorry, you know, mm. all right, sis, thank you so much, so then she's talking about, I wish there was something I could do to make you feel better, and he's talking about, I can think of a few things, these kids is grown, okay, I don't really have the time, I truly don't, but they get to the college, and Gemma is just talking, and talking, and talking, and talking, she's going on and on about how, you know, college is like one big financial scam, you get into all this debt, and for what, some of the most successful people in the world didn't even go to college, and Kev's like, yeah, like Bill Gates, and those people, but the chance of me being Bill Gates, you know, so basically, Kevin's like, I'm, I'm going to need a college education to fall back on because I don't really have it laid out the way other people do. I don't have that advantage like other people, like people with money and things like that. So Jim is basically telling him to quit thinking so little of himself and all that other type of stuff. So Kevin basically is like, listen, sis, I'm going to go find Jake. You're getting on my nerves. You've been talking since we got on the bus. I'm tired of hearing you talk leave me alone so again he's dismissing her again now Gemma was getting on my nerves too because sis can talk but again we're seeing the way he's just pushing her off and distancing himself and being really you know passive aggressive and just kind of rude to her and that's going to make her feel some type of way so Kev is texting and calling Jake and where's Jake at oh he's somewhere in the bathroom hooking up with Nicole and I'm just like 
all right i see where this is going so later on they uh reconnect and reunite and they go and they uh, stumble upon these college dudes and they're playing video games so jake's like and the video games ain't really my scene but i bet you could take their money so he gives uh kev some money and kev's in there he's having a good time i like how they accepted him you know they were like oh he's just a kid whatever no they let him come in and have fun that's great but then later on, you know, we see that he's still playing the video games. He's taking their money, you know, having a good old time, just pure, clean, wholesome fun, you know. So then one of the boys next to him is like, you, you ever do some blow? I said, what? And then he asked him if he did something else, um, some other drug. And uh, Kev was like, oh, no, nah, I'm going to stick to my vape. I don't really do the white boy drugs. <laughs> and so the uh, dude, I guess that was his like video game partner or whomever, you know, he's telling the dudes, listen, he's just a kid. Chill out. And of course, the peer pressure's on. One, I guess Kevin feels like I'm this little high school. I'm amongst all these college dudes. I got to look the part. I got to fit in and things like that. And the, everything that's going on, he's just looking for all these temporary reliefs to, you know, keep his mind off of Gemma and his sister and the police and Jake, you know, so many different things that's swarming up inside his head. So the dude hands him a pill and uh, Kevin's like, F it, I'll try it. I said, F it, you'll try it, baby. Wait a minute. The drinking, okay. Okay. The blunt smoking, mm, I'm not really a fan of it. Talking back to your mama, oh, no, but you want to pop some pills and then drink a beer and everything. So we see that he takes the drugs and he's just off his shit, okay? He's spiraling out of control. He's heading upstairs. Jimmy and the teacher are like, boy, what is wrong with you? And before he could say anything, he just hurls, okay? He just hurls everywhere, hence him getting kicked off the college tour. And I'm just like... Okay, I really need Kevin to get it together. Listen, I understand a lot is on his mind. A lot is weighing heavy on his heart. And he's been through a lot for a 15, 16-year-old boy. But, ooh, this is not the way he needs to be spiraling, I promise you. So then, real quick, we're going to get into Maisha and Papa. We only got a few scenes, and they were cute. So Papa's starting a podcast. And we get this moment where he feels like, you know, I, I feel like I didn't really do too much to help my friends, you know, with the whole police brutality situation. So Maisha is like, listen, the police do this all the time. But if we can get somebody like you to get on the platform and, you know, speak on these things often, then it might, you know, prevent it from happening or, you know, bring more awareness to it. So Papa's wanted to get this man, Van Jones, on his podcast. And Maisha's like, boy, he ain't coming here. Uh uh-uh so he kind of feels a certain type of way because you know that's his Coretta boo like that's his Coretta like you know her his number one supporter and so they kind of have a little disconnect right there but then they make up and things like that so then Maisha my good sis gets in the studio booth which I think was his closet (laughs) I don't know and she lays down this song and she's just going in she's rapping and it sounds really really good and Papa is impressed and that was their little scenes it was very very cute very wholesome things like that next we're going to get to Duda Rose and Marcus I think his name is Marcus it's either Marcus or Malcolm forgive me uh Gemma's daddy okay St. John him so the first scene we get with them is they are at the hospital and Duda's watching the video of Jake being beaten by the police officer. And I'm like, why are they at the hospital? Because I know Jake ain't there. So what's going on? So no. Um, well, first, before he gets into the hospital room, uh, Marcus is telling him, listen, 
you really need to watch the way you handle things, okay? Do not let your past influence the things that you're doing. And Duda's like, listen, dog, because of who I am and the way I am has gotten me to where I am. So don't you forget, I don't work for you. I'm the HNIC. I'm the head nigga in charge. I said, okay, Duda, okay. You know what? Let it be known. Listen, Duda is fine. I'm so sorry. Duda is fine. Like... It's always the bad guys. It's always the bad guys. It's always the guys you're not supposed to root for. They'll be the fine ones. Oh, when he took off that suit, jacket to paint with Tracy. Mm, sorry. Anyway, so Duda basically shuts him down. Like, listen, remember who I am. Okay, know your place. Don't touch me. Know your place. So then he goes into this hospital room. I'm just like, who is he going to see? It's Officer Rees, a.k.a. the cop who beat Jake. So he's kind of, you know, confronting him, basically saying, um, you had quite a few run-ins with teen black boys. Is this a pattern of yours? Are you a good cop? Are you a bad cop? And Officer Reeves is like, listen, I am a husband. I have four boys. When I put this uniform on and I leave, they don't know if I'm going to make it back home or not. And Duda being a black man, he's like, yeah, I can, I can understand that. So they're going back and forth. Uh, Officer Reeves accuses Duda of sending Trig to, you know, rough him up. And uh, Duda's like, are you accusing me of breaking the law? Really? Really? Okay. And then Officer Reeves had the nerve to talk about uh, Jake Taylor assaulted me. And I'm just like, oh, no, excuse me, attacked me. Uh, did we watch the same video? Do, do you need to see the video, sir? Because you were the one doing the attacking. That's what Duda said. It didn't seem like you were doing that much talking in this video. So uh, he just confronts him and is like, look, we got your files. I know what type of cop you are, so you might want to check yourself. So then we have some protesters in the front of the hospital. And this scene was very uh, chilling to me only because one of the posters said justice for Jake Taylor. And it made me think, wow, what happened to him shouldn't have happened. He shouldn't have had a broken arm. He shouldn't have had a busted lip or nose or black eye. None of that should have happened. But thankfully, that's all that happened, okay? Because that justice for Jake Taylor could have been him being another hashtag, okay? He could have been killed and things like that. So again, what happened to him shouldn't have happened. But when I saw that poster, it was like, wow. It could have been so much worse. It's hella bad enough, okay? What happened to him? But yeah so there's the protest outside and basically Duda's like as of now okay because of everything that's been going on officer reeves will be leaving the chicago police department i'm just like you better make the call sir you better make the call okay so after that we see uh rose and marcus they're watching the news because after dude i made that big announcement the news uh anchors they're like okay was that a bold move was that a dumb move like should he have done that as mayor i wouldn't have done a move like that so dude comes in and rose and marcus are telling him listen you really need to be careful you can't just be making bold moves like that like you're in a certain position now you got to watch your back because now you're going to be making a, a bigger enemy of yourself because not that many people like you sir so you doing all of this you're just bringing more attention to yourself in a negative way so rose like promise me you won't do anything stupid basically and dude i was like i can't promise you that i gotta trust my gut now what rose said next it was like oh this okay because 
again we know Dudok's going to end up getting shot in one of these next coming episodes and again the way they're setting all of this up it could be anybody so you got to really pay attention to what things people say to him how they're interacting with him to see who would have a big motive to shoot him so rose after Dudok says i gotta trust my gut rose says well don't let your gut get you killed and i was like because you know it's already a whole bunch of people thinking rose uh shot him anyway so he turned around and he's like was that a threat and she's like no i'm just trying to protect you and it was like real sinister it was like i'm just trying to protect you i was like oh candy you're the shooter <laughs> you know like crazy so then dude i calls this impromptu press conference and he's basically talking about how there's this big division between the black community and the police department you know we as black people we can't do the simple common things as walking down the street jogging go to the store without fearing for our lives so he says i am officially defunding the police i was like here we go. Didn't they just say you, you shouldn't be making these bold statements like this, sir? And here you go making a really big um, and bold statement. So Rose and Marcus, they're looking at each other like this is not going to end well. And it's not. And it's really not. And so we see um, Duda, he's leaving, I guess, the same building or whatever. And later that night, and we see two police officers, they're riding by just looking at him like, watch your back. And he's looking at them like, watch y'all's back. So don't know okay again because i wasn't expecting uh even after the last episode i wasn't suspecting an officer to maybe shoot duda but again we're seeing how many enemies he's making of all these people people that and it was really easy to assume that the person who shot duda was somebody that we were already introduced to on the show but now he, you know we got more officers involved and things like that and with recent events and firing one of the officers and now defunding the police it's like okay now you're making enemies with the law enforcement all right so so many people now have a motive to want to take duda out and we get a scene uh at rose and duda's house where you know dude not duda uh rose she's checking herself out in the mirror and she's like you know you done messed up right basically like we didn't been through all this to get in this position and now you're making these bold claims you're making these stupid moves without thinking without consulting me or Marcus so what's going on I didn't sign up for this and do that flat out tells her yeah you did so it's going to be real interesting to see how this plays out because again with Rose being his wife not only does Duda have a target but anybody affiliated with Duda has a target on their backs because he's really making these big bold irrational I don't know type of moves but we're going to see how that plays out. It's just going to be really interesting to finally see who shoots Duda because anyone who does it is going to have a motive. So next, we're going to get to Trig, Imani, and Rashad. I was super excited to get introduced to Rashad's character. So first, we get the scene where Trig, he's fixing breakfast, and he's just uh, having these flashbacks and all these thoughts about what's been going on and how he beat up Officer Reeves uh, in retaliation for his brother. So it's really weighing heavy on him. I'm not really sure if it's him having regrets because, listen, he was dead set, like, whoever did this to my little brother, they need to get dealt with. So... I don't know if he's really having regrets or second thoughts. He just knows that this isn't over, probably. He just knows that, okay, after this retaliation, 
you know, we're really going to have to be on guard uh, even more than before. So Imani comes in and basically tells him, listen, you did what you had to do, okay? You did what was right. And she gives him a little pep talk, and then they had this little conversation about the sugar go and grits and things like that. Um, for the, uh, for right now, um, sugar does not go in grits. I don't know who started that lie. I don't know who started that rumor. I don't know who told y'all that. But salt, pepper, cheese, occasionally, that's what goes in grits. This is not up for debate. If you put sugar in your grits, we, we can't be friends. So I'm just kidding. I love everyone. <laughs> anyway, so then we get introduced to Rashad. Now, we saw that Rashad was going to be making his debut appearance and... Uh, he is a good old friend of Triggs, and he's been locked away in jail for quite some time. And Rashad is played by none other Jason Weaver. I love me some Jason Weaver. He's been gracing our television screens and movie screens uh, since forever, okay? Love him. So Trigg comes and picks him up, and basically he's going to be that support system to help him get him back on his feet and get a place and get a job and, you know, catch him up to speed or bring him up to speed in uh, today's world so he's asking Triggs so I heard you got you a bad little bit on your arms huh and Triggs like uh don't call her a bit okay her name's Imani and things like that so the way Trigg had to like keep him in check either he was like a ladies man he was a player he didn't know how to keep his hands to himself I don't know but he's had to give him quite a few warnings uh and it's only his first episode so we might have to watch out for Rashad I hope not but whatever so they're throwing him a surprise party like a welcome home party with all his friends and family and once he gets there he's meeting Imani for the first uh, first time now the reason I said meeting was because when Imani and Rashad saw each other it was like they were both taken aback kind of and so to me, it looks like one or two things. I don't know. One, it was giving very much, we know each other, but Trig doesn't know we know each other. So let's just, you know, put on a facade. Let's just smile and nice to meet you. You know, we've seen that before. Or it was giving, because we know Imani is a transgender character. So maybe Imani wasn't what Rashad expected maybe and he's kind of like oh okay I'm leaning more towards those two actually know each other but they don't want Trig to know because maybe you know they messed around before I don't know but I could tell that wasn't their first time meeting that's what it was giving it was giving oh snap Trig doesn't know that we know each other and the context of us knowing each other so let's just pretend like we're meeting each other for the first time hey how you doing hey how you doing and the way he kept looking at Imani it was like either he isn't I don't know I just hope he doesn't try to do anything to her um maybe it'll get revealed that if they have some history some old chemistry I don't really know but again that encounter was a little bit too familiar I'll say that. It was a little bit too familiar. So Rashad goes and, you know, he goes and mingles with some friends. And Imani's like, I thought you said there's going to be a few people. This didn't turn to House Party 5. What's this? And so uh, Trig's telling her not to worry and things like that. And then he tells her that he's that Rashad's going to be staying with them until he gets back on his feet. So Imani's not really here for it. And Trig tells her, listen, 
he helped me out back in the day, okay? He, uh, you know, he took a something for me. I forgot the words. But basically, I guess he uh, took the rap for something that Trig may have done. I'm not sure if it's something small or if it's something that could be the reason why uh, he was locked away for quite some time. I don't know. But Imani was like, now, if the roles were reversed, do you think he would be doing the same thing for you? So she's not really here for it. Uh, she's trying to be cool, the supportive wife. But she's not really here for Rashad and things like that. So it's making me wonder, are they going to reveal what that certain thing is that Rashad did for Trig that is making Trig, you know, want to do all this for him? I mean, he gave him all that money. He's letting him stay at his place. And, you know, Rashad's like, man, where's the heating pad? My back hurt. Where's the pizza? Where's the handy? Like, come on. We're trying to turn up. And Trig's like, okay, okay, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. So it's making me wonder what that certain thing is. And will Rashad be holding it over his head? Like, you owe me. Remember, I, I took the, the blame for you. You know, whatever it is. So we'll just have to see, okay? I hope. I don't know. I just really hope he don't try nothing with uh Imani, because remember in that montage in the very beginning of the last episode, we saw Imani throw clothes or something at a dude, and she was like, F you. Now, the first assumption would be that it's Trig, but again, just basing off the way that they were uh, interacting with each other, Imani and Rashad, it could be Rashad. We don't know. We'll just have to see. But, oh, one more thing. So later on, we get the scene where Man Man, uh, the dude who came in the barbershop the last episode, he's getting hemmed up by the police because the police are talking about he was disturbing the peace and blah, blah, blah. So there's a few bystanders. They're watching what's going on. And then Trig comes out the corner store and he's like, okay, let him go. Like everybody in the community knows him. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Like, what are y'all doing? So uh, he's like, everybody get your phones out. So everybody starts recording and that pressures the police to let uh, him go. And so... Uh, the police tell Trig, listen, the next time we catch him here, I don't care how many of y'all feel like recording's gonna stop something, he's getting arrested. And Trig's like, yeah, okay. So, thankfully, um, Trig was there to help his friend because you can tell his friend, even though he's grown, he, he needs some, uh, support. I don't know how to word it. But you can tell that he needs guidance and a little, little supervision, you know, things like that. So... Yeah, I'm just glad Trig was there. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that from Trig. Like, you know, really stepping in with the police. Maybe not every single time. But we're really going to be seeing him, you know, holding these meetings, uh, defending people, things like that. Because he's tired. And with that last encounter with his brother, that that hit too what? Oh, that hit too close to home. And he's just like, listen, we're not y'all's property. We're not y'all's responsibility. Y'all ain't going to keep getting away with this. So we're really going to be seeing uh, Trig become that spokesperson for you know, the city of Chicago, and I'm here for it with his fine self. All right, we're almost done, y'all. So then we're going to get to Jada and Suede, honey. All right, so we know Suede is Jada's young masseuse who be giving the happy endings, honey. So Suede wants to accompany Jada to their, or to her class reunion, and she's kind of like, eh, you know, I don't really, I don't know about that. You know, I'm not trying to look like Angela Bassett and how Stella got her groove back. So Sway's like, are you really that worried about what people are going to say about me and you? And she's like, no, but how would I even introduce you, like, as my masseuse? And, you know, they're trying to figure out what they are, and then they end up having sex, y'all. So they get to the class reunion, and this song comes on. And first of all, Jada's face is already like, 
<laughs> Lord, let's hurry up and get this night out the way. But then the song comes on and Suede is like, ooh, that's my mama's jam. So she's like, really? And so he's like, I'm just playing. So then this woman who went to uh, high school with Jada, who Jada don't really F with like that, she's like, ugh, here comes Monique, I think was her name. So the woman comes up to them and Sway is like, you know, trying to look away, trying to hide his face. And she recognizes him. And uh, Jada's like, well, how do y'all know each other? So uh, Sway tells her, oh, I've given her a massage before. And the lady, Monique, she's like, oh, you, you gave me more than that. So I was like, suede baby what what is wrong with you like what's going on so jada's like are you effing kidding me are you serious right now so he's like listen you're the only other person that i'm servicing like that and she's just like forget it so she walks away and then we get nina and suede they're dancing and basically nina's giving him the rundown like listen my girl's been through a lot so if you're trying to play games and you know service all these other people then you need to get on the body here she doesn't need the world she needs somebody who she can you know be serious and grow old with so get your act together and sway's like listen i really care for her i want to give her the world i want to be that person for her so nina's like all right well don't just talk about it be about it so later on afterwards we get uh suede and jada they're in bed you know he's playing with her boobs you know and he feels a lump in her breast and she's like i know my body okay i've had this lump for years i get it checked every single year on my birthday it's nothing and Sway's not really convinced, so he's like, I would really appreciate it. I would feel more comfortable if you were to go get it checked, like, tomorrow. And she's like, okay. So we see towards the end, Jada is in the hospital room. Now, we saw in the trips and the what? The clips and trailers. Y'all, I'm sleepy. So if my words are all over the place, forgive me. But, um, but yeah, but we saw Jada. She was sitting in the hospital room and things like that. So we were like, hmm. Is she so everybody was like, is she pregnant? Girl, don't get pregnant for this young man. And then some people were like, ooh, I wonder if he gave her something. Breast cancer was not on anyone's radar. I think maybe a few people may have guessed that, but it was really giving pregnancy teas. But she finds out that the lump in her breast is indeed cancerous and that they need to uh, run more tests to see what stage the cancer is in. I legit teared up. I was like, what the hell? She does not deserve this. I love Jada. Jada is just a woman who is trying to get her groove back. She's getting her back cracked from this young man. She's having fun. You know, just really starting to have her own life because Emmett was living with her and all his drama. So she's finally at a place in her life to where she can just do as she pleases. She ain't got to worry about nothing. She can have fun. And then she has to get breast cancer. I'm just like, what the heck? And judging from the next episode, the clip that they showed, the cancer is more aggressive than they thought. And she's in the room crying. I'm just like, what? Jada don't deserve this. So I pray. I'm praying that she's able to get a surgery or something to get it completely removed and she will be fine because we don't need Jada leaving, okay? Jada don't need to die. We don't need that. I rebuke that, okay? So, and it just makes me wonder, dang, because Emmett's going through a lot, you know, with Tiff, Dom, all the other stuff. So, how is he going to take, you know, Jada and her news? Will she tell him? Will she want to deal with it on her own? We don't know. But then we get to Keisha, last but not least. So, we know in the last episode, she was looking for adoptive parents, the couple that she met with, Octavia Mark. 
yeah, you know, they weren't it, okay? Octavia tried to come and bring her some popcorns, like, hey, girl, uh, peace offering, I want the baby. Keisha's like, nah, girl, I want the baby in a two-parent household, so no, ma'am. So even though we're going to be seeing more of Octavia, so I'm just curious to see how they're going to write that. But Keisha has a job, and at first I thought it was a bookstore, but it looks like a thrift store type of situation. I don't know. And girl, she is running around like a chicken with a head cut off. The manager was stressing me out, and I was just sitting on the couch. She had her ripping and running, and you know Keisha about to pop, okay? She eight months pregnant. So, you know, she needs to lean on the counter for a second. Let her do that. And the manager's like, ah, ah, if we tell the customers not to, then what makes you think you can do it? I was like, you know what? <laughs> Sis, you ain't finna stress me out. In these last few weeks of my pregnancy, that's what you ain't finna do, okay? So, we see one of uh, Keisha's old friends come in there asking for the purses or something. And they have a little moment and she's like, are you good? Because she's looking at Keisha's belly like, you good? And so, I don't remember who that was, to be quite honest with you. Like, how many episodes did we see her in? I can't remember if she was... Anyway, she's an old friend of Keisha's. And so Keisha's kind of looking like, you know, and we're going to be seeing her have these moments of, dang, I wish I could be living my life, you know, the way I anticipated. Because we get the scene where Keisha had to go pick Kevin up because he got kicked off the college tour for acting a plum fool. So he's just up chucking, okay? He's throwing up in the toilet and Keisha's going off on him because she feels like, listen, you have all these opportunities laid out for you, okay? And you're ruining it. You're effing it up by acting a fool and acting like you ain't got no home training. How you get kicked off a college tour doing drugs and drinking? You lucky I don't tell mama. And she's like, I'm supposed to be the one in college, not picking you up off the floor. And so... Again, we're going to be seeing a lot of those moments like it's really hitting Keisha like, dang, this is supposed to be such a different space for her, you know, going off to college and, you know, getting some independence, really seeing the world for herself, not being pregnant, not, you know, watching Kevin start to throw his life away and all that other type of stuff. So uh, poor Keisha. Oh my gosh. And then lastly, we see Nina, Dre, Kevin, they're going to Keisha's appointment to check on the baby and see the ultrasound and things like that. And they're hearing the baby's heartbeat and the doctor's telling her, yeah, you have a um, healthy baby, all that good stuff. And Keisha is just, you can tell that she's having second thoughts about everything because she didn't go through the abortion. And she was adamant about finding a two-parent household for her baby. So she was good with giving the baby up for adoption. But like I said the last time, the attachment is growing every single day. Because uh, she kept referring to the baby as my baby, my child, my this, my that. And now that she's actually seeing the baby being developed, hearing the heartbeat and things like that, she may have some strong second guesses about the adoption altogether. Um, and she j- she may just want to keep the baby for herself. Again, I truly feel like that's the uh, the direction that they're going. Like, she might just keep the baby for herself. And if she does, again, where would that leave Octavia? I don't know. But, and even Dre and Nina looked really happy. They looked, I mean, of course they would be happy that the baby's healthy. But, again, based off the vibes from the last episode, they're really, it seems like they're really wanting her to, you know, give the baby up for adoption especially Nina. Um, 
And But the way they were looking, like if we didn't have any context, if we just saw that scene, you would think that they were happy that they were about to be grandparents or, you know, grandmothers, whatever. So Keisha, she's crying, looking at the ultrasound. And that's how the episode goes off. So again, I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up keeping the baby just because the attachment is there. She's having second guesses or second thoughts and things like that. But y'all, this episode was very emotional. Okay, very emotional. Again, we're seeing how the puzzle is coming together with these different outcomes, you know, Gemma and Jake, Duda, et cetera, et cetera. So we're seeing how it's all unfolding and what's going to lead up to the big bangs. But again, this episode was emotional. Like, oh my goodness. Like last episode has much more comedic relief. This one was just heavy. Like, oh my goodness. Harsh realities, hard truths, uh, you know, facing your consequences, you know, all that other type of stuff. But let me know what y'all thought of this episode. Who do y'all think shot Duda? Again, now we have the police involved and things like that. Do y'all think Imani and Rashad, they know each other from a past life or are they going to get into it? I don't know. Um, and do, I wonder if Kev and Gemma are going to break up because the animosity that they're having towards each other, more so Kevin towards Gemma, you know, they might take a break. They might take, they might break up. I don't know. And again, I really hope my good sis Jada pulls through because she doesn't deserve breast cancer. She doesn't deserve that, okay? She's just trying to have a good, fun life. Do you understand me? She got her grown-ass child out her house, and she's just trying to have some fun. But we're going to see on the next episode what comes up. And I'm excited. Like, this season, we already knew it was going to be deep and dark and heavy. We already knew that, okay? But honey, they really... Listen, I guess the creators and Lena and all them were like, listen, we saw what y'all said about the third season. Y'all ain't about to say that for the fourth season. So before I keep rambling, I hope y'all enjoyed this review. And I will see y'all next week for episode three. And y'all have an amazing day. I love y'all. Bye.